Hello and welcome to another edition of the Packaging Europe podcast. My name is Elisabeth Skoda and I'm one of the editors at Packaging Europe. So um, new rules governing the placement and promotion of HFSS foods, which is foods that are high in fat, sugar and salt, will come into force in the UK in October 2022. And uh, this will change the way that these products can be sold and promoted in store, amongst other things. And obviously, this will have a considerable impact on manufacturers, brand owners and retailers, and of course, in turn, also packaging producers. So um, today we're taking a closer look at these regulations and uh, what they might mean for the packaging supply chain. And uh, with me to discuss this is Mark Patterson, who is Vice President for Global Packaging Solutions at DHL. And uh, yeah, welcome, Mark. Thank you for being on the podcast today. Great. Thanks for having me and look forward to the discussion. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, to start off with and to um, clarify what we're actually talking about here, um, I was wondering, could you tell us a bit about what types of products this new legislation will affect? Yeah, well, first of all, it's a, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a changing uh, policy that's coming into certainly the UK environment. Um, obviously delayed, it was due to come into force in April and uh, it's been delayed until October. Um, and it's really going to cover, you know, high fat, sugar, salt um, products, um, products uh, in, in food categories, but also in how we promote, how product is promoted. Uh, so buy one, get one free, uh, looking at sort of, sort of pack sizes, the size of the product and how it's displayed. Uh, we'll all have, um, we'll have uh, challenges affected by this. Mm, definitely, yes. And could you tell us a bit more about what um, this legislation applies or sets out to do? Well, obviously, it has a it has an underlying um, uh, reason for doing that, and that is to obviously uh, tackle the uh, the challenges for the the health as a result of um, uh, high sugar fats uh, content foods. But really, it's a, it's about trying to uh, change a little bit about the landscape of how product is promoted and how product is sold uh, to the consumer, um, and that's going to be a real change for the way in which. We as consumers walk through a retail um, uh, outlet um, to see how product is positioned for us and promoted to us. Um, and to do that from a from a packaging perspective and from a, a retailer perspective, things are going to have to change. So, you know, end end of aisle um, promotions, um, the uh, uh, as you walk into stores where you start to see large positioning of product. Uh, will change uh, at the checkouts where it was very easy to grab product, you know, as a, at a late stage buying uh, will, will change as well based on the types of products. Um, so, yeah, lots of changes coming in and these will have an effect all the way up the supply chain um, as we uh, as we get into the discussion. And um, as I mentioned, the, some challenges and uh, effects. Um, what would you say um, are these challenges across the supply chain sort of from food manufacturers, brand owners, retailers and packaging manufacturers, I'd imagine they have um, got their separate sets of challenges. They have absolutely. And, you know, I'll certainly give my view from a supply chain perspective. And as much as we engage and interact with the the, the end-to-end supply chain, working with the manufacturers, working with the the retailers um, and, and suppliers, it's it's gonna it's gonna have a challenge, but all the way up to manufacturing, it's the way the product uh, may be uh, positioned in its pack size, in in the size uh, of the, the the product, how it is uh, you know secondary packaged, um, and then as we get further into the supply chain, it's about how that product is handled, 
um, how it is then positioned for transportation, for transit, uh, and then the final element of how it's actually put positioned into the store. Um, and obviously, you know, a lot of these uh, products, and, and it depends also of the time of year, uh, a lot of these products are hugely pushed at certain times of the year in, in, in high peak seasons for whether it be the Easter period, Christmas period, when uh, when you know you are looking to drive sales by uh, promoting, you know, much larger volumes. Um, I think we'll start to see the retailers challenging at the store end. But then that going all the way up the supply chain of how that is then distributed, how it is um, made store ready, and how we can make it even better for the retailer to be able to still drive sales, to be able to um, uh, to offer to the consumer who, in effect, would would still be wanting this product uh, in in a convenient way. And obviously, the challenge is there from moving from a, a, a an aisle end or from the, the store frontage into the the aisles itself. We'll bring a lot of pa you know, packaging challenges in terms of how we you know package the product how we display the product how we can make that product store ready um, and to speed up the volume that we'll still need to drive through the stores in a quick and efficient way mm, yeah i guess it's quite a massive um change to how you'd lay out the store because obviously at the moment it seems that the products that are supposed to be um affected by this are very very prominent in in supermarkets um, so I was wondering, um, how would you say could this have an effect on um, on pack designs, or how how sort of primary packaging is um, is put together? Yeah, I mean it's it's, an, it's a it's a really great point, and it's it's interesting that you know from a DHL perspective, we look at this all the way up the manufacturing um, to support our our customers in in the way in which they are driving demand and forecasted demand. Uh, based on uh, based on sales um, and the ability to be able to make quick decisions, to be able to change pack layouts, to, to, to be able to design and implement new packaging solutions based on demand, but also ba based on changes. And this is a change that we'll see come through later this year. Um, and it's now about getting ready in terms of how we can adjust, whether that's a pack size change, whether that's a manufacturing change. Um, and, and really the core to this is it's about how best we sell the core product. Um, and the core product itself can have various pack dynamics. So it can go in a, a two pack, a, a single pack, a six pack, a 12 pack. Um, it could be in different volumetrics. Um, and what the ability is to do from a packaging perspective is how, it, how late in the supply chain can you make those decisions on how you pack the product rather than at the manufacturing level where it's coming off the production line and you're having to make decisions based on potential sales in weeks and months ahead, when actually if you could pack on demand, on a true demand that is almost, almost um, you know, within the week, within the month that you'll be able to push that out, then being able to adjust quickly and have that agility will really help in the future. Hmm. And um, what's, um, what's needed to have these um, pack on demand solutions? What sort of technological um, requirements are there for that? Well, the, the, the big change there is about delaying the packaging decision further into the supply chain. So it's about bringing technology um, and innovative equipment into uh, as far into the supply chain. So, for example, if you think about our warehousing and distribution environment, the ability to run packaging lines at that late stage where you actually got product in the warehouse or you've got product in uh, in a bulk uh, storage um, uh, means to be able to then take that product and then have flexible 
packaging lines and equipment to be able to put that into the smaller pack sizes or larger pack sizes and literally load it onto pallets and send it out to stores. And taking from order to be able to do that in terms of, you know, hours rather than pushing it all the way, as I mentioned, all the way up into the manufacturing point um, and, and making those decisions a lot earlier in the, uh, in, in the supply cycle uh, will make big, a, a big change. But it does mean investing in equipment um, at, the, uh, at, the, um, at the warehouse level. And you know, in DHL, we call that the integrated service. So that's about actually saying you're storing your, um, and you're, you're packing product in the same environment that you're then picking and packing to, uh, to the final store. Um, and, and to be able to do that in a more integrated way uh, brings a lot of cost savings, but also a lot of sustainability uh, benefits as well with less miles driven of the product, less handling of the product and less waste. Is there a difference on how it would affect secondary packaging as well? Or um, does that sort of the same apply as what you said to the previous point? No, I think secondary packaging will have a, have a, a change depending again on the product. Um, and, you know, especially, you know, um, when you look at things like drinks, obviously, you know, it'll be, you know, the primary product um, will, will be bottled, you'll you, you potentially be in bottles or cans. And it's about then, you know, how you're putting that into its secondary form uh, into, a, into a different pack size uh, that will have a change. Uh, but there will be certain food groups and food, food items that, you know, even at a primary level, you'll be able to make some, some adjustable decisions. Um, but most of this will, you know, I believe, take a, a secondary packaging um, decision um, and how best you display it. But if the primary packaging is large and you're already promoting it at that level, then you're also going to have some challenges right up the supply chain. Hmm. And... Um... You've sort of covered, part covered uh, my next question already a little bit, but um, I wanted to sort of um, zoom in a bit on um, how pack packaging can be optimized to deal with this coming change, these coming changes. Yeah, well, you know, not only do we want to optimize uh, from supporting the, the suppliers and the retailers by being able to um, be a little bit more efficient um, and, of course, watch the cost of the supply chain. So how best do we, um, how best do we position this product into stores in, in the best way? Um, but also it's, it's then about, you know, how best you know, do we use the materials to be able to do this? Um, and I think there is a there is a strong you know, um, approach to this as well as people as as we start to see the changes as a result of these types of policies will may also have a, a, an impact on the sustainability side and the packaging sustainability of what type of you know, uh, materials are used uh, in creating you know uh, promotional uh, um, uh, packs in terms of making displays. How does that all fit around the whole sustainable environment? And this could also be a, an opportunity to reevaluate that and be able to uh, bring in some alternative um, op options for, uh, for, for our suppliers. We've talked about the, the challenges, but um, are there any new opportunities that might be associated with, uh, with these new rules? Um, I think there's, there's definitely some, some opportunities and uh, some opportunities to be maybe a little bit more agile um, and, um, you know, the ability, as I have mentioned, to be able to streamline the decision making and be able to bring product into uh, into the uh, into the market quicker. Uh, maybe that's about you know bringing together more around the design, the marketing, promotion, um, and the materials used, and making some decisions much quicker uh, from sort of concept to store, as we may call it. Um, and then, of course, you know the innovation that's going to be needed. I think around you know, creating space within the retail environment that still promotes the product in the in, in the realms of the policy, 
but more importantly, in a more innovative way that could also speed up store replenishment uh, and, um, and store turnarounds to be able to get product in quicker um, rather than maybe the way it's done now, which may be in a more bulk pallet way uh, into the store. Yeah, it will definitely be interesting um, to see um, how it all develops and um, and what the effects are once uh, once this comes into force at the um, towards the end of the year. Um, yeah, so in conclusion, I um, wanted to take a broader look at the packaging supply lands, chain landscape since I have um, an expert with me. And uh, how well is the industry equipped to deal, to deal with um, today's challenges, uh, obviously of which there are plenty in the, in the supply chains of um, an increase in um, e-commerce, increased sustainability demands. And obviously we've had disruption through COVID and now unfortunately also through um the war in uh, in Ukraine. So um, yeah, I was wondering what your thoughts are on on the on the current situation of the supply chain. Well, I think firstly, I think you know the it, the supply chain challenges has, has actually really brought to the fore um, how important packaging is within the supply chain. And you know, it's been certainly you know uh, from a DHL perspective, you know, our customers are really approaching us and, and talking to us in a way that they've never really done in the past when it comes to packaging, because maybe it didn't quite get the, uh, the limelight or, or, or get the, uh, the focus. Um, and the reason for that is packaging Im- impacts so much of the supply chain. You know, it drives the volume, it drives the size and scale. Um, so, you know, the better we can design and, and bring in better packaging may drive the, the volume density in a truck, which means we may not need to have as many trucks on the road because we package in a more, you know, a more, more efficient way. Um, it might be that the way in which we bring technology into our packaging and bring a little bit more automation may mean that we need less people on the packaging lines, which means that we may not have as many challenges with labor shortages. Um, and again, as we look into the sustainability, the more sustainable opportunities we can bring around e-commerce, uh, you know, void fill that we have that we all see as consumers when we see product uh, that is delivered to us. And it's you know a small product with loads of void fill uh, in a large box. You know, less of that that we can see from a sustainability, the types of materials that we're using. I think if you ask you ask people today, you know, would you like to see a more environmentally friendly package delivered to you? I think they'd all say yes, because they've all experienced it. So we've got a real opportunity to change that. We've got an opportunity to bring in those alternative materials, but also maybe give us all as consumers a choice that, you know, you actually can see and you can have benefit from. Do you really need the product delivered in a way that you may actually have an option of saying, you know, I don't mind what box it comes in. I don't mind if the box is a used box. I don't mind if it's, you know, recycled. Giving the consumer choice uh, from a packaging perspective will bring bring a lot. But certainly over the years, we've seen packaging really become a heightened topic of discussion. Um, It's driving benefits, um, but it drives benefits across the supply chain. Um, And the more we can do that, I think the more we'll see um, packaging working hand in hand across the supply chain and delivering benefits. Absolutely, yeah. It's been um, it's been interesting to to watch these um, changes over the years, and um, yeah, we'll keep obviously keep a keep an eye on it and and watch these developments further. So um, yeah, that um, that brings us to the end of today's podcast, and um, just leaves me to um, thank you, Mark, for for being here today and for for sharing your insights. Great, thanks, Elizabeth. Thanks very much. Thanks very much. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening as well. Um, Don't forget to subscribe. We've got a new podcast coming out at least once a month. Thank you.